You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to episode 15 of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. This week, we've got the chance to sit down with GB star Dan Clark, fresh off the back of his Eurobasket 2017 qualification with the team. Now, before we get into this episode, there's a few things I need to caveat it with. Um, we were in the uh, Olympic Park. That is where we uh, performed this interview. It was outside. I'd bought a microphone system which had two clip-on, uh, I think they're called Lavalier microphones. Lavalier? I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um, so there was meant to be two, one that we clipped onto my T-shirt, one that got clipped onto his T-shirt. Then there was a splitter that ran into the sound, the sound pack to record it. Uh, and one of them was broken. So we only had one mic. And this isn't a big handheld mic that you can pass between each other. I'm talking about one of the tiny little clip-on ones that you literally clip to your T-shirt. So as a result, um, we had to pass it back and forth between us which means there's a delay every time someone finishes speaking. Uh, it also means that I can't interrupt and it, the kind of, the which I guess is a good thing, but also means the flow of the conversation is less of a conversation um, because we have to wait for each other to finish speaking and then pass it back for them to get into the next part of it. Uh, so that's a bit weird. And the other thing is because we were holding this tiny little clip-on mic in our hands, um, there are times when Dan moves it a little bit uh, too far away from his mouth so the sound gets a little bit quieter now I have listened back to the recording and it sounds okay you should be able to hear it and I'm adjusting the sound levels a little bit in the editor so you can listen to it um, but hopefully uh, there won't be too many complaints um, there's nothing I can do about it that's the way it is we're not going to record it again um, because he's probably going to be leaving soon to sign a contract and play somewhere um, but yeah just thought I'd give you a heads up other than that uh, it was a really good conversation. Um, obviously, Dan has got a really interesting career because he was one of the first Brits to um, head out to Europe, uh, signed in Spain when he was 14, 15 years old with Estudiantes. Um, but we decided not to go into that today. Uh, we have spoken about doing a part two where we talk more about his career. But because GB obviously have just finished their qualifiers, for me... Uh, it made sense to keep it focused around GB um, and the Federation uh, and things they're doing, things they're not doing, um, which is what we did. So we spoke about the qualifiers, we spoke about their games, best performances, how he felt the team did, how he is with Coach Prunty, Um And then, of course, uh, a number of other bits which you may have seen earlier this week on hoopsfix.com about his personal frustrations with the lack of progress Federation has shown um, in recent times. Anyway, I will leave it there. Uh, have a listen. As always, let me know what you think. Um, I have recently just started uh, Three Point Thursday, which is a weekly newsletter that goes out every Thursday, um, only to subscribers on the email list with three points that are particularly um, poignant on my mind uh, from the week before. Um, and it's been really good so far. The engagement's been really high. My inbox is getting absolutely stuffed. But uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And people seem to be getting a lot of value out of it. So please, if you are just a podcast listener, go and check that out. It's at hoopsfix.com forward slash newsletter. That is hoopsfix.com forward slash newsletter. Sign up to Three Point Thursday and you'll hear from me in your email inbox every single Thursday, along with this podcast, um, which we're going to get going again. So yeah, have a listen. And as always, let me know what you think. Sam at hoopsfix.com or at hoopsfix on every single social media profile. Um, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Enjoy. So we're currently in the um, Olympic Park uh, outside Westfield uh, with Coffbox down the road. And we're with uh, Great Britain star Dan Clark. Got a bit of an amateur setup um, with a mic that we're passing between us uh, because of the wind and stuff. So there might be a little bit of delay. Um, between conversations uh, but just letting you know what's going on so Dan obviously we are privileged to be with you I'm glad we've, we finally got this done um, congratulations on, on qualifying for Eurobasket so let's let's start with that uh, you know how does it feel to be qualified and kind of how would you look back and evaluate um, the campaign yeah it's much appreciated obviously everyone on the team is 
extremely excited. You know, I mean, it's a great accomplishment. It's not a top competition in Europe. Everyone wants to be a part of it. Um, I think the summer, you know, we have to look back on it as, not, as an exit, uh, as a success. Um, things could have gone better, but I think things could have gone a lot worse as well. Um, so we have to be excited about next year and looking forward to it. And I personally can't wait for it to come around. Did you, um, your expectations coming in this summer, obviously when you saw the squad, um, the initial the initial 24-man list was announced, then obviously only 16 of those got invited to training camp, which seemed a bit weird. Um, but but when you saw that, that list, what were your expectations? Do you think uh, this team met those expectations or do you think that um, performance was worse compared to where you think it should have been? Um, I definitely think we could have performed better, but I think you can, I mean, I think in elite sports you're always aiming, you know, for that perfect game or that perfect, you know, perfect uh, year or whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, I think we can definitely be happy with what we did, and we, but we, I think we can't be too happy because I think we, want, we have to aim for more in the future. Because I think, I think after the, the qualification there was a lot of things said about it was an understrength under team, but I th I'm looking back on it, I don't know, apart from adding the likes of Luau and, and Joel, I don't know how, who else you'd add to the squad at this moment in time. Obviously Miles missed out due to club commitments and stuff like that, but apart from that, I think that was one of the strongest teams we've put together for a while, uh, since the Olympics obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of young guys coming through, especially especially there's young guys that are not on the team yet that I think could potentially help the team in the future. Um, but I think the team we put together this summer was, as, as for now, is probably as good as it can get for GB Basketball. Um, obviously, we'd love to have the likes of Luau and, and Joel and people like that around and, and in the team, not just because they're obviously great players, just due to their experience and their, their general knowledge of the game and how and that aspect of the off-court stuff that they could help with. Um, but yeah, I think we can definitely be ha happy with what we did, but I think we could also aim for a lot more. Obviously, uh, talking about um, Luau and uh, Joel and that, you know, we hear it every year. We haven't seen those guys since, since 2012. Um, how do you feel personally? Have you spoken to those guys about potentially getting them back with the squad uh, next summer? How likely do you think it would be that, that we might see them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as I said before, we'd love to have... Likes of, I think every team in Europe or the world would love to have the likes of Joel Freeland and, and Loyal on the team. Um, I mean, everyone's got their own career, everyone makes their own decisions. Um, I completely respect the, the, the path they've taken in their full right to take it. Obviously, as I said before, it would be great if they could play for GB, but um, yeah, I've got absolutely no problem with them taking the path they've taken. They've got their different reasons for not playing, um, which are completely valid in my point of view. I mean, I know people have think some people think opposite but I think they're completely valid um, but yeah I mean obviously if, they, if they're able to play and they're willing to play then we'd obviously love to have them back when you look at uh, you know the team this summer and guys that have come through um, who were you personally impressed with or maybe surprised by um, that maybe you weren't expecting to get that amount of production out of them yeah, I mean, as I said before, there's obviously there's, there's young people coming through, which is always encouraging for the program. I mean, you know, the likes of the two-point guys this year, I think they they were they were good for us. Um, starting from the fact that they're they're complete opposites, I think the way they play. Um, but both Teddy and Alex did a great job this summer. You know, t Alex is more of a steady point guard, whereas Teddy is able to you know to change the game up a bit and and explode if you want to call it that matter. For you know, he can score, he can he can change the rhythm of the game a bit. So. I think they complement each other well, which is great for the future because they can obviously continue working together for many years, hopefully. Um, and then obviously Andrew had a great summer. Um, I mean, he's been around the program for a, for a number of years now, but um, I think this summer was definitely you could call it his breakout summer. You know, where he just definitely defined himself as one of the you know the best guards in the GB and potentially the GB could ever have. I think. Um, so yeah, that was a great summer for him and. Yeah, I mean, as I said, especially the young guys coming through, you've got the likes of Luke Nelson, Cavell, and people like that that are definitely knocking on the door of the, of the senior men's team to, to, cut, to, you know, to get a spot on the team. Obviously, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about the last game against Luxembourg. I think, I think we have to. Um, and, uh, you know, as we were saying before we started recording, it's, it's kind of been swept under the carpet a little bit because of, because of the fact um, we qualified for Eurobasket 2017. Um, but you know, Luxembourg hadn't won a competitive game in over a decade or whatever it was, and and we ended up losing. I haven't actually watched the game yet. Um, we didn't have a stream here in England, uh, 
but kind of what was your assessment of what happened um you know i understand it, it must be pretty disappointing um but where do you think it went wrong yeah i mean as you say it was very it was very disappointing because um, apart from the fact that we qualified we're also trying to develop a culture within GB Basel and losses like that I don't, in my opinion can't happen um, it was almost it was embarrassing for me being out, losing to Luxembourg because as you said they hadn't, they hadn't won a game for over a decade and the way they celebrated it was like they won the, the world championships or the Olympics so I mean it was a very bittersweet moment because obviously we'd, we realised we'd qualified but at the same time losing to Luxembourg kind of took that that good feeling away because it just wasn't it wasn't a performance that you know you, you shouldn't you shouldn't you didn't deserve to be wearing the GB vest at that moment in time. It was that it was that bad, really. I mean, it was a difficult game, as it, you know, but because it was a dead game basically, it didn't it had no importance in in the group standings. But at the same time, you're still still playing for your country, and you're still putting on that vest, and you're still representing a, a lot of people and a lot of a lot of pit. And there's still a lot of people who want to be on that team that would would have probably done a better job on that day. Did you know, um, by the time that game tipped, did you already know that you'd qualified for Eurobasket? Um, we had a pretty good idea. It wasn't official, but it was, it was only, we were only waiting for the result of one game that, was, that we kind of knew the result, what the result was going to be, basically. And obviously, what, like, in terms of your, the team's actual performance, where do you think it is that, that it went wrong? You know, even against the, the home game against Luxembourg, it wasn't settled until midway through the third sort of fourth quarter until you really pulled away. Um, they were hanging around a lot longer than I expected them to. You know, on paper, talent-wise, it seems like they shouldn't even be close to us. Um, so where, where do you think the difference was there? I mean, I mean, I mean at the end of the day, we've still got to give Luxembourg some credit. I mean, we weren't the only team they took play. I mean, they Hungary only beat them by three the game before and Macedonia only beat them by a total of seven points, I think. So, I mean, their style of play is definitely against the way we play kind of thing they have no bigs and stuff like that but at the same time there's as you said talent wise they're not even close to us but they on the day they played harder they, they wanted it more and, and they deserve to win at the end of the day there's no there's, we can't take that away from them they, they deserve to win um, but at the same time we were still very disappointed of our, our performance what were the conversations like in the locker room after the game um, obviously like you said it was bittersweet and you know you qualify for Eurobasket but you just lost to Luxembourg you know, was it was it celebrations or was it actually um, disappointment? Um, I think that I think there was a photo that was put on social media of us in the in the locker room after the game. Um, and I think if you if you take a, a good look at some of the faces in there, some of them aren't very happy at all. There's a lot, there's a lot of long faces in there, considering the fact that we'd qualified for Eurobasket. So I think that photo basically summed up our our attitude now, thought process that moment in time, um, which is it's disappointing because you know. Getting to Eurobasket it's a big deal, and we, we, and I think we deserve to be able, you know, to be able to celebrate that. But in that situation, after that result, we weren't, we weren't in a position to do that. When you look back across um, all of the six games, what do you think? Uh, which game do you think the team put together their best performance? Um, and which, if any, were the biggest standout moments for you? I'd have to say the, the Macedonia game away was our best performance of the summer. I think that was the game where everyone was locked in together as, as a team. Uh, obviously, we had some good performances from individuals, but I think it was more than anything. It was, it was a team performance. Uh, everyone was rooting for everyone. Everyone was up on the bench cheering. Um, I don't know if you guys were able to see the, the, the standard of the Macedonian gym, but it wasn't wasn't the nicest place to play in. You know, the Eastern European crowds are typically can get quite hostile and. That wasn't big. There was points in the time in the game where they got quite behind their team. So it was, it was a big game for us, especially for some of the younger guys who hadn't, hadn't experienced stuff like that before. Um, so I think we could be proud of that result. Um, and I think generally over the summer, there was the reason we lost most, the games we lost was just it was just down to five, six, seven minutes of lapses. And, and at this level, you can't have that. Um, and that's when we got punished. I think there was a. I think f over the two games against Hungary, they they only outscored us over 10 minutes, but they outscored us by 30 points in 10 minutes, I think, which you know, it's a big difference. That's a big difference to make up, and we weren't obviously able to do that, but that's something we've got to improve in the future is making sure we're, we don't have those, those lapses in, in the game. Uh, now, obviously, the the campaign is finished. Um, how, is it, how is it wrapped up by the programme? Uh, you know, do you guys have debrief meetings um, with someone from the program, or uh, with Joe Prunty talking about individual performance, team performance, and kind of what's next? Do guys, are you kind of, do they keep in touch with you and let you know what's go what's going to be happening, heading into next summer? 
Yeah, so I mean, as of, as of now, we haven't heard anything. I mean, obviously, we said our, our goodbyes at the airport and stuff like that because everyone's obviously going off to different parts of the world. Um, I'm sure we will hear something definitely from coach at some point. Um, but I think that's definitely an area where we're, we're missing someone who was in Warwick's spot. I mean, I think we, sh we should get someone who's better than Warwick. Because um, not, nothing against the, the guy, but I think uh, the role was a bit too big for him. It was, and, I th and I think people inside GB knew that, but it was something that we weren't prepared to change because, you know, they were happy with Warwick and, and whatever. But I think that, that's, an, that's a very important role within the programme because they kind of overlooked everything. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is at the moment. Um, we're all guessing we're going to be at camp next year uh, for the Eurobasket, but obviously, I mean, it's still a long time away, but um, hopefully we'll hear something in the, in the, in the foreseeing future. Before we uh, continue, I, I do want to go back and, and talk about, obviously, Ben Gordon um, showing up this summer. Uh, you know, he's been on the radar for years and every summer it seems a case of, is it Willie, won't he? Um, and this year, he was finally here. Kind of, um, what do you think it was that got him here this year? Did you have conversation with him uh, about why he decided to come? Um, and then... You know how? What do you think he brought to the team? Obviously, I think everyone can see that he's a bit rusty, uh, hasn't played for a long time. Um, but then you could also see at times he showed flashes of of his former self and what he could be. Yeah, I mean, I mean personally, playing, being able to play with Ben this summer and and being on the same team was a great experience. Um, obviously, the past is the past and is what it is really. I mean, I think he, would, I think from speaking to me that he would love to play play for GB before. It's just the circumstances haven't haven't allowed him to. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was great having him. As you said, he, he was probably a bit rusty. Um, but I mean, that's going to happen. I think any player who hasn't really played for a year is going to be rusty. Um, but I did. I, I still think just just from having him there, it was it was it was great because just by his name, he created a threat on the floor. Um, they were they were obviously you know worried about him the way they the way they matched up on him the way they guarded him. They always had their best defender guarding him stuff like that. So it took a that was able to take pressure off other players like the likes of Andrew, the likes of the two-point gun and stuff like that. So, I mean, although we, I mean, I think people expect him to have 30-point games and 40-point games, but at the end of the day, he was still still part of a team that got the qualification to Eurobasket. He was a big part of that, you know. He probably led us in minutes, and you know, and he took a, you know, he played hard and he play, and he played as well as he could. You know, ho hopefully in the near future, he's he's got a, se a full season of, of club basketball under his belt, and he's he's more in shape for it to help us out for what people are expecting to call it one way or another but um, I mean I was I, I thought it was a great experience to play with him personally Have you heard anything about him potentially getting uh, offers or interest from club teams this season do you think that he's going to get a contract somewhere? Yeah I'm sure he'll get a contract um, I mean as you said there was there was definitely glimpses throughout the summer of what he can potentially do um, and just on, on his on his career, he'll definitely get a contract somewhere. I'm not sure if that will be in the NBA or, or where that be or where he's willing to go. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely convinced he'll get a contract to play somewhere. Yeah. <coughs> One of the things um, for me watching the games as an observer, which I uh, sh struggled with, always oh, getting a bit windy. Um, one of the things I struggled with a little bit to understand was just Coach Prunty's rotations. Um, you know. I asked him in press conference and I know someone else brought it up with him and he kind of said, well, uh, well, I felt like he actually didn't really answer the question, but he, he, he was kind of just like, you know, we'll go with whoever's doing well that that, that time um, and we just go with the flow of the game. Uh, but looking at it, to me, it just seemed entirely random. Um, and I don't know whether he, you know, had conversations with all you guys about the rotations. Um, and what was going to happen uh, and how you guys felt about it but yeah it just seemed a bit odd to me watching it um yeah i mean obviously i've i heard some of the press conference stuff that was, that was said to joe i think at the end of the day you've got to give give joe a lot of credit for what he's done for the program first at first and, and foremost um for example not, not going any further than bengal i don't think if it was if it's not for joe Prunty, bengal is not playing this i mean i think joe did a great job of of recruiting guys I mean and then as going back to your original question um, I mean at the end of the day players and coaches they're never going to be 100% agree and it's just just the way sport is I think um, you know I, you, some guys might have thought differently but at the end of the day whatever he was doing we got the job done we qualified for Eurobasket and that's that's all that really matters really 
Um, Joe's obviously got his way of coaching, which is, you know, we completely respect that as players. And but, I mean, I think it's also good that, you know, we're not completely in agreement the whole time. That's that's the way you get better, I think. And, and, I, and I hope that's the way he thinks as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I said before, I think the job's done. We qualified and that's, that's the only thing that matters. I was talking about qualification uh, for Eurobasket. We spoke about it briefly before we start recording as well. Was that um, obviously Prunty's now out of contract, but there, there is an assumption it seems that he's going to come back for for Eurobasket next year. Um, I saw he did an interview with Mark Woods uh, where he was talking about it. So it seems that he's expecting or is hoping to be back next summer. Um, but then, of course, the new FIBA schedule and qualification stuff changes, um, and the qualifiers are then going to be during the season. Um, where he's going to have to be doing his regular job with the NBA. So, you know, how do you think that's going to work? Um, I don't know whether you've spoken to him about it at all, uh, whether, well, what the plan is. Well, as I said before, we haven't really, no one's been in really any real contact since the end of the, the campaign. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a difficult situation right now for GB. As you said, the the changing of the calendar for, through, through FIBA, they're, they're new idea of how to qualify for tournaments and stuff definitely puts Joe in a difficult, difficult position um, should he be back for Eurobasket having qualified for it yes I think so um, but also I think GB has to look long term as well and into the future but I mean that's a, that's, a, that's GB's job that's their decision to make with, with Coach Joe but yeah I, I definitely think Coach Joe deserves to be to be back for, for Eurobasket for you know because as, as we as players deserve, you know, deserve to have the chance to make a team for Eurobasket, I think he deserves to be able to to be there for it as well. Now, obviously, you know, one thing that I've been very conscious that I feel like needs talking about um, that I wanted to speak to you about was kind of the a lot of the off-court stuff. Uh, you know, this this year was meant to be this, this these qualifiers were meant to kind of be the start of the new era. Obviously, Nick Humby come in um, as new independent chair of the British Basketball Federation earlier this year. Um, we take official FIBA membership October the 16th, I think it is uh, next month. Um, and you know, all the conversations I had with Humby in the in the months preceding these games was kind of like. This is the start, you know. We need to show people. We need to sell out these games, um, and you know, I think it's obvious for everyone to see that there was nobody there. Um, the uh, for some reason, the the crowds really didn't come out. And from what I can gather, my understanding of the situation is that um, the BBF made the decision to take the ticketing and promotion uh, away from the BBL this year. Where to be fair to the BBL, and I don't always give them credit, but to be fair to the BBL, they they've done a pretty stellar job. Um, the last uh, couple of last few summers, I think the attendance last summer for the New Zealand game was about just over five thousand, and then Bosnia and Iceland the year before was three and a half, four and a half, both games. Um, so they did a good job, and obviously this year GB I assume thought they could do a better job, and it just didn't work out like that. Now, I I mean I it must be hard as a player to obviously you're playing in your home venue and the crowd is very sparse especially for the Luxembourg game where I mean there was what like five six hundred people there um, so I guess the, the kind of question is one how do you feel about that um, the lack of the lack of home support this year and whether it, that impacted your guys performance on the court and kind of two whether you've had any conversations with Nick Humby or the BBF uh, kind of about um, what was done regarding ticketing, marketing, promotions um, for this year's games? Uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, it was it was more than disappointing to see that few people at the games. Um, and as you said before, in previous years, I think obviously I'm not up to date on on who runs and who organises stuff. But as you said, if the BBL were running, I think they did a great job of, of getting, especially just getting people to, bums on seats. Basically, um, I mean, especially as a player, it's great to to walk into the gym before the game starts, like for warm up and stuff, and see see people there. You know, it gives you that extra bit of encouragement, bit of spirit that you need, you know, to, to push over the line at the end of the game. Um, I do I, I do think that affected some of our performances in the summer. It's not an excuse, obviously, um, but obviously it would have been great. I mean, you go to these these other countries around Europe, and 
and you walk into the gym in the middle a gym in the middle of Macedonia and and you've got people screaming at you screaming and shouting for their for their home team uh, I mean the fans that, that, that came to the game they were obviously great and and they did help us push it over the line in a couple of games, which was which was great. But um, obviously, comparing it to the the games in previous years, that as you said, the BBL had run. I think I think that you, you can't even compare them really. Um, the atmosphere against, especially against Bosnia and Iceland, even though we didn't come up with a result, was was great. Um, and, and the same last year against New Zealand, it was it was a great atmosphere to play in. I think I think it's an atmosphere that you know, apart from apart from the Olympics, that in this country you know you're going to struggle to see. Um, so to not have that year, this year is definitely a disappointment, yeah. And then have you have you had conversations with anyone from GB about kind of like, you know, how you feel about that or why why uh, there seems to be a massive failure in being able to sell tickets this year? No, I haven't had the, the chance to speak to anyone. Um, as a team this year, we weren't um, officially introduced to anyone from GB apart from, from Deanna May, who's working in, in the office, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was that lack of um, contact between the team and the federation. I think this year, which is something that I think has to be improved on. But yeah, I mean, I'm more than happy to sit down and, and, and ask those questions to the people that are involved um, and help in any way, obviously, because you know, at the end of the day, we're all here to, to make sure GB basketball is getting better, and 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 we all, everybody in the whole country wants that gym to be filled every time we play. I think. If you were, let's say that uh, you were to go in a meeting, into a meeting with GB and um, you know, you've obviously been involved with the program for many years now, uh, what would you say have been the biggest issues um, for the players in terms of dealing with the organisation um, and where, if anywhere, they've been getting it wrong? Um, I mean, that, it's obviously a good question. It's a kind of a tough question to answer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's quite obvious that off the court, um, things haven't gone the way that both the players and the general, uh, the general public or and the, the people close to the game would have liked. I don't think off the court. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a number of topics you can start on. Uh, I don't know if you want to ask about any specifically, but. Um, I mean, I mean, this summer I think was I think the main objective was was what we talked about before was about the, getting people to the games and selling those games out. Um, apart from it being a, a um, you know great for getting people there, I think it was also a great source of income considering the fact that we're not you know we're not in the best situation economically at the moment as a federation, as a basketball and basketball in general in general in this country. But um, um, but I think from this summer that was the main thing that stuck out really. Um, above, above, above everything else, really. Over the years, obviously, people have spoken about. Uh, and I know Drew's come out and kind of said before about the lack of communication from people over the years. Um, do you think that that has changed since Prunty's come in? I've seen a lot of positive things said about him in terms of communicating with players. Uh, how would you describe that situation now compared to how it has been previously? Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely say that. Uh, Coach Prancer has definitely brought a big plus on that side of things. I think communication before Joe came in was was pretty pretty horrendous, basically, um, pretty non-existent. And I think Joe's done a great job, I mean, especially considering the his other obligations in life with the NBA and stuff and such a hectic schedule. He's done a great job of keeping in contact with us and making sure we're all right and making sure everyone's you know making sure everyone's going to be at camp, basically, which is basically the main end goal for. For us as a, a players throughout the season for the, for the federation, basically, um, which brings me back to a previous point I made is that someone needs to be put into that role of of what what Warwick used to have before. Um, I think that's a very key role. Just one one of the main reasons is is for that, um, both on the men's and the women's side, obviously. Um, even more so on the women's side this year as they're playing uh, qualification throughout the year. I think that's a very important role that needs to be filled, um, and the sooner the better, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, for context, if anyone's wondering who Warwick is, uh, he's the former national uh, teams director um, that worked for GB uh, and Basketball England. Um, but uh, yeah, just just thought I should should let everybody know. Um, and then one of the things Lawal has said, um, and one of the reasons he's kind of, 
I think I think he, he but he basically said that he he he's up he's open to playing again, but he needs to see a plan, um, and he he just doesn't know what the strategy is. Uh, obviously, GB come out with a document earlier this summer. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. Working towards a building b- basketball better or something like that. Um, have you read that document? Um, if so, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, if not, do you feel like there is a plan now? Do you think there is a strategy? Um, do you think that um, GB is making pro- progress in that sense? Um, I mean, I would have to completely agree with what, what Loire was said. Um, I, I don't think there is um, a long-term plan, at least, in place for where GB should be in the future. Um, obviously, things have been written down and things have, have said they've been put in place, but I mean, up until now, since the Olympics, I personally haven't seen any anything that's been written down, put into action. Um, and again, this year, I mean, they put a plan together a year, a year ago now, more or less, I think. Um, and I mean, I haven't read into great detail, but the general the general concepts of it, I, I I was aware, I am aware of. And I don't think they, you know, I don't think we've made any progress this year. Obviously, Nick's been in charge for a year now, um, and, I, and I think he. he he has to show some progress at some point because I don't think I can't see the federation moving forward any in any way so far this year basically. So I, I mean, it, it will sound like a criticism. It probably is, but I hope it serves as a constructive criticism to to help things get better. Really, that's the main. That's the only reason I would come out and say stuff like this. Is is, is that it's just constructive criticism. I think it's something we need to improve on. And I think there's just certain things that need to be done. Really, I think, and and, and if we start doing those, I'm sure basketball in this country will improve greatly. What would you say those things are? If I was to say to you, um, you know, what would you, let's just say that you were in charge of basketball in this country, um, what would be the first uh, few steps that you would take to improving things? Well, I think for the British Basketball Federation, as it is as of today, is the most important things are the national teams. Um, I think Basketball England and Basketball Scotland are more involved in the participation and grassroots level of things. So I think GB at this moment in time, considering um, what our status is economically and, and the no funding argument and stuff like that, um, I think the main focus of should be the men's and the women's national teams. Um, I think there should be 100, 100% concentration on them. Obviously, we, we, we want to encourage people to play basketball, but that's, I don't think that should be of the federations that shouldn't be the federation's problems at this moment in time until I don't know what the steps are for, for you know progressing forward obviously the federation's coming together to form GB basketball um, but yeah I think the, the men's and the women's national teams are definitely the, the priority of, as of right now when you talk about senior national team success how important do you think it is um, for the growth of the sport in this country what do you think um you know, big national team success for you guys. Let's say that you know you do really well at the at Eurobasket next year. What do you think it could mean um, for basketball in the UK? Uh, what do you think the the real world implications would actually be? Um, I, I, well, considering the level of our domestic league, which is obviously known not to be not to be great, obviously. Um, and obviously, there's not many people following basketball in this country, especially the domestic league in the, in the BBL. Um, I do think the, the national teams hold a, a great responsibility and a great, um, you know, it's a very important part of national of the national basketball view and foresight of what we're going to do, basically. Because if, if the men or the women do very well at Eurobasket, I think that will encourage. I'm not sure if it will encourage UK sport due to their how they hand out funding, which obviously I'm. Not, I don't agree on it at any level. But it, at the end of the day, it is what it is. They've made it very clear what it is. Yeah. Um, say we make, we we do extremely well at Eurobasket, and we qualify for for the World Championships, which is obviously the the main, which should be the goal for next Eurobasket. Um, will that change and make us get funding? I'm not too sure. I, you know, in other sports, I think you'd say definitely, yeah, you get funding for that stuff. But I'm, in basketball, as of now, I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, I think the men's and the women's success is, you know, has a great importance on on basketball in this country. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think without them, basketball would be even 
well, I won't, I won't say basketball was lost in this country, but I mean, it would be, it would have even less of a profile than it already has right now. Obviously, performance of the senior national team since, uh, well, in recent years, um, hasn't reached what I think people would consider it sh where it should be potential-wise and the talent that we have and everything else. Um, why do you think it is that we haven't been able to put it together? Um, you know, is it one of the arguments the UK sport has spoken about um, I remember the CEO uh, Liz Nichols who from UK Sport and she was saying that one of the big things that they hold against basketball is that obviously all of our top players or a lot of our top players are, are playing overseas um, and there's a lack of continuity and um, and so GB doesn't have access to them as much do you think it would change a lot if you guys were all playing domestically as opposed to internationally um, and also, you know, do you think that it actually hurts you guys, everyone playing in different countries uh, and not having as much contact during the season? Um, I think obviously that the BBL as of today is not a standard where you would want. Um, obviously, there are players in, on the national team playing for BBL teams. But, I mean, give them credit where it's due. Like people like Kieran Achara, for example, who's playing in, at the Edinburgh Rocks this year. Is you know he's had a, he's had a great or Glasgow Rocks. Um, he's had a great career in Europe. I mean, and that that unfortunately, I mean, I, I would love to be able to play in the UK. It's a dream of mine to be able to play in London or or in Leicester or in Newcastle or anywhere in in in, in the UK. But but as of this moment in time, the BBL is not a standard where. Firstly, economically, it won't be able to support most of the players on the GB team, and, and secondly, the standard of basketball, it, uh, from my point of view, is just not—it's not good enough. I mean, you compare—I mean, the great example was you know, a couple of weeks ago when Leicester played um, the Spanish team, Obradoiro. Um, and I mean, I spoke to Drew Sullivan after the game, and he said, "Yeah, they, they smacked us basically," and, and they're still in pre-season. Um, so, I mean, I think that's—it's quite clear the difference between the leagues. And I think it's it's great for GBB players to be able to experience that level of basketball because I think at the end of the day when we do compete in the summer that's the level of basketball we're going to be competing against, um, if not better in the summer. So I think it's a I think in in today's world it's a necessity that players are playing abroad. Um, but as I said before, I think everyone on the GB team would love to love to be able to play on domestic soil and in front of their family and their fans and. And stuff like that. I mean, you look at other other countries around the around Europe, like Germany, for example, which is nothing common basketball nation. A lot of their uh, national team players they they play in Germany, you know, and they have two or three big teams that allows those players to play for those teams, whether it be in the you know in the Euro Cup or Euro Cup or the, the Euro League, um, which is great for them. And I think that's that's one of the models that we could possibly look at to not copy, but you know, get ideas from the way they the way they've taken basketball up to the next step, next level. Do you think that should be a potential option in terms of the federation um, funding a professional team to then be able to pay decent salaries for you guys to then play here in the BBL and obviously with the intention of having a team that then competes in Europe so that you can have that level of competitiveness as well? Is that something that you'd be open to? I mean, if, if that's a possibility, I think there, there will be players that will be open to that. Um, Obviously, I think the the main the main claim that we'd have is that they would have to play in European competition just just due to the the level of competition that we'll, they'll be exposed to in the BBL. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, if that's a possibility, I think I think it's definitely something worth talking about. Um, whether it's possible, I'm not sure. But um, if that's a possibility, and, and if I don't know if you've heard anything about this or anything like that, but um, I'm I'm definitely sure that a lot of the players on the GB team would be open to, to talking to to the to the team that's chosen to do that basically. Okay, yeah, no, I don't want to start rumours. I haven't heard anything. That was just a that was just a random thought off the top of my head. Um, obviously, the Commonwealth Games are in uh, 2018. Um, now, have you heard from anyone about that? Um, is there anything going on with that? Obviously. Uh, England will have a team. Well, we'd be would we comp we would compete as England. Um, so England will have a team in that. Uh, is that something that you intend to want to play in? Um, I'm s 
If you haven't heard anything, what have you heard? What's going on? Because we haven't heard anything on the ground about uh, plans being made for uh, a senior team competing in that. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, it won't it won't be GB basketball. It will be England, Scotland, who will, or and Wales for that that matter, who who have the opportunity to compete in that. From what I've heard, uh, Sport England are very keen to have the basketball team involved in that. To what extent? They're showing that level of support, I'm not sure. Through the level of economic support, economical support, I'm not sure. Um, but due to the um, the timing of the competition and, and that, it's, it, it could become a very complicated uh, situation to get players involved due, due to the fact that it's in April, which is during the, the club season in Europe and, and around most parts of the world, really. Um, I'm aware that last time England com- competed at the the Commonwealth Games in 2006 there was a break in the BBL season to, to now to enable players to play in the in the Commonwealth Games um, so yeah I'm quite interested to see what what can be put on the table what can be offered obviously because if we're I'm, I can't see many clubs um, as it's not a, an official FIBA tournament allowing us to leave leave clubs um, in the middle of the season to play in the Commonwealth Games so that will obviously um, Determine what type of contract you get for next summer, basically, because um, obviously, obviously, we sign year yearly contracts, whether it be two, three, one, one year contracts. But that whole season, you're that means you're with the team. Um, so it'll be interesting what plans England basketball and Sport England come up with. Um, I'm quite interested to hear it. Obviously, playing the Commonwealth Games um, would be a great experience. So, you know, going to Australia. Um, things I've heard from from people like Drew, where we played at the last Commonwealth Games, is nothing but positives. So I'd love to be a part of it, but it's just just making it happen. Obviously, um, how are they going to do that? We'll have to wait and see. When you talk about contracts, um, obviously you are yet to sign this coming season. Uh, so if you can let us in on any secrets or insider tips on that, please do. Um, but also, it's, it was a interesting summer in the sense that a lot of guys still well weren't signed when they're playing for GB still aren't signed um how reflective do you think that is of the market you know you've obviously been in Europe since you were 14 15 um you know how have you seen it change in those years um how does it compare now to how it how it has been um yeah I think that you know especially being around the guys this summer it was it was a big concern for a lot of us not having a contract um you know, guys, we're still, still in a lot of contact between the players, and guys are still still searching. Um, just so you, you guys can have an, an, a general idea, the situation in Europe is obviously the basketball is very good, and, and the lifestyle is very nice and stuff like that. But the, the the financial situation is not great, especially in some a lot of the main countries that play basketball, i.e., Spain, um, Greece, Italy, places like that. The, the money situation is is great, especially is not great. Sorry, especially if you compare it to what it was before. Which was, um, I mean, I think I was lucky enough to grab right at the end of the the good era, as they call it in Europe, um, as I signed my my first contract, which was you know quite a long time ago now. Looking back at things, um, but yeah, de- things are definitely dried up in Europe in that sense, and that's what I think is causing so much delay between people signing contracts. There's a lot of arguments between players and, and clubs and agents about how much people are getting paid and stuff like that. Um, the one thing I, I would say is that especially for guys coming out of college that is the most important thing in, in, in Europe is just to play, play, get minutes under your belt and, and play well and get good numbers basically. Um, I mean I don't know how many guys are out there looking for jobs right now apart from the guys on the GB team but that, that will, that's the way to go from my point of view is, is to you know, grow your portfolio basically. Um, that's what teams look at. That's what teams are going to be looking for. Um, I think a great example of that is, is, is Ovi. You know, he's, he's ended up in a great situation in Mercia, and I think he's going to. I think he's going to do great there. Um, I think it's a great fit for him, and hopefully, a lot of people can be able to follow Ovi. You know, Ovi played in, in Greece last year, and, and it's I think at the end of the season, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and he put up good numbers. It wasn't they weren't the best teams in the world, and I think he'll he'll first he'll be the first one to say that they weren't the best teams, but. It serves as a platform for him to step up and join a better team, which he's done this year. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. And how are things looking for you this coming season? Um, there are things on the table. As I said before, the, the you know, economical situation in Europe is not great. Um, we're always trying to squeeze the last last cent, last penny out of out of these teams. So uh, 
Uh, it sounds bad, but at the end of the day, it's our, it's our job, it's our, it's our way of living. So, um, you know, we've got to look after ourselves. You know, as much as we'd love to be at a team now playing and, and enjoying ourselves, because it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the, probably one of the best jobs in the world to have, isn't it, playing professional basketball. So we are aware of that, but at the end of the day, our career is a lot shorter than the, the average person. So we have to make sure that we are, we're looked after how we, how we think we are, deserve to be looked after, basically. How much do you think playing for Great Britain over the summer can impact the type of contract that you or you know other players on the team will receive um, you know in terms of using it as a platform to be able to get a, a decent job um, I think it's the, I think the opportunity to use it as a platform is definitely there um, I think a, a good example of that is miles I think miles you know really broke onto the scene at Eurobasket um, in 2013 I think that's a, that's a great example of that you know a guy who's played who started off his career in the BBL um, and since there is there's taken huge strides forward and is now you know one of the best wings in, in France right now so um, so yeah I think it definitely can serve as a platform should it be the main focus during the summer um, I don't think so I don't think I think if you go into GB with that mindset of, of using it as a platform um, I think it could play against you just from the general fact that um, especially nowadays that we haven't really had a that bona fide superstar that we've had in the past, whether it be Pops or Loire or or whoever it has been in the past, um, teams recently have been built more on a. Te- on a I'm not saying without with Loire and Joel they weren't more of a team, but we are. You know we need contributions from a lot of different spots right now. Um, so I think that could play potentially playing. You know play against you, but um, but yeah I think the guys you know that were there this summer did a great job of of concentrating on the team before themselves and. And I, and I really hope from the bottom of my heart that everyone gets a, a job ASAP really because I think they all deserve it. I think they're all more than capable of playing in Europe and and it's just, especially the guys who are, are fresh out of college, I think it's just getting that chance and they can prove themselves basically. And obviously talking about using the, um, the games as a platform type thing, uh, you know, during the initial preparation phase for GB this year, uh, you sat out two of the games. Um, which seemed a bit odd. Uh, GB put out a release and said it was kind of due to insurance issues and stuff. Um, I had a couple of people kind of contact me and be like, "Oh, well, you know, what's going on with Dan? Why, why is he not playing? And what's the situation?" And again, it. And I did ask Printy, and he kind of said that um, he wanted to look at guys. Um, and then, of course, GB put out this release saying about about the insurance stuff. What what was the insurance issues um, that that was stopping you from playing? Uh, well, I think you'd have to get an official comment from from GB but um, it basically comes down to that I wasn't fully insured and it wasn't of my knowledge that I wasn't fully insured so um, um, I, I think yeah I think you have to go back to GB and ask for an official comment on that uh, again um, but that's basically what it comes down to really I will contact GB and get official comment um, about what happened um, you know obviously looking ahead to next summer um, with Great Britain and stuff to, well in fact actually comparing when you look at preparation this year obviously you opened training camp in, in Portugal uh, you know how did you feel about that what, why do you think that was rather than um, opening up domestically like you have done in previous years uh, and did you enjoy it um, and do you think you had enough preparation because I feel like when I when I look at you had f- four five games trying to think you had Netherlands twice Slovenia Germany. Portugal Germany. yeah that's five ish yeah so yeah five or six um, and then of that y- you only had the full squad the full squad uh, in terms of the 12 that ended up getting selected for the game against Slovenia and one other um, I think yeah one against the Netherlands so essentially, it almost felt like you only had two games at full strength, uh, preparation-wise. How did you feel the the preparation phase was this year? Um, do you think that it helped or hindered? Do you think it could have been better? I mean, generally, I thought the preparation was it was good this year. Um, I thought we could have done with a bit more time together, and I think that was sh- I think we showed that during the the actual official qualification games. I think each game. You know, obviously the the first game against Hungary was a slap in the face, but I think each game we got better and better as it went on. Um, but I do think that it was well organised. I think the the fact that we started in 
in Europe, um, it was a smart decision from my point of view because at the end of the day, we're going to have to end up traveling around Europe anyway um, to compete against these teams and get those those you know, those preparation games. Unless there is, unless we do organize our own tournament here, which which hasn't been the case so far in any preparation that I've been a part of anyway. Um, so yeah, I think the the general the, the concept of starting abroad and stuff like that it was it was obviously has its downsides, but it was a useful experience. Um, obviously, we we were definitely more together. I think um, you know, especially when you're in in the UK or London, you know, people have tendencies to to go home or spend time with friends and family a lot more. But in in the in the circumstances we were in, we spent a lot more time together as a team, which I didn't I think felt definitely helped. Um, both on on and off the court, um, you know, we were more concentrated on what. And what the goal was and what we had to do really um, but yeah I think I think if we did have a few more games it would have, it would have helped us a lot um, but yeah generally I thought the, the the build up and the prep was was good apart from the fact that I think one or two more games would have would have been great when you compare our prep to your other teams I mean I don't even know which is why I'm asking the question um, you know if you've got guys on other national teams how does how do they do their preparation um, how, if any, does it differ to us? Um, do they have a longer period, a shorter period, more games, less games? Um, you know, how would you say the, the GB program compares? Um, generally speaking, this year, speaking to past teammates and stuff that are upon playing on other national teams, they, they generally do have a longer training camp, to call it one way or another. Um, I, obviously, I forgot to mention before the, the fact that our situation economically doesn't, doesn't help the fact for our preparation, obviously. It's, you know, we don't have any main sponsor, so a lot of it's self-funded. To call it one run over through GB or or whoever's been given GB money, I'm not completely aware of that. Um, so that's obviously a big a big thing that plays in our. You know, obviously playing basketball in the UK is not is never the easiest thing to do in the world. You know, you're getting charged um, full rates at whatever sports centre you want to go to and stuff like that. So. Um, I mean, yeah. So these teams are they're together for six, six, seven, maybe, and in some cases, one one team was together for eight weeks this 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 summer. Um, is that too much from my point of view? Yeah, I think it is. I think you know, um, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but there's it's their coach, it's their their program. They're free to do what they want with it, basically. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think everyone. I don't think we should be copying people, but I think we should you know noticing what other teams do and stuff like that, um, especially the more developed basketball nations. You know, we had the opportunity to play in Slovenia this year, which was a great, it was a great uh, eye opener, I think, for a lot of us, because they had a purpose-built facility for for basketball, and it was it was like twelve thousand people, I think, and they had a couple of practice courts below the floor, and we we were there for a week, and it was it was a great experience. You know, it was a great to feel like you were meant to be there, and not, and you weren't tripping over badminton lines in the middle of the basketball court, basically. Um, so yeah, I mean. Obviously, you can always, I'm sure they can get positives from our preparation as well. But I think, as I said before, our prep was it was it was it was great this year. It was, it was the best it's been for a while now, um, since the Olympics, obviously. And I think that's something we can definitely build on. Do you think that uh, you know, talking about the funding, I tell you, one thing that winds me up um, has been the the conversation about funding recently, uh, and it seems to be going back to this. Oh, we need more money. We're underfunded, and. Yes, we are underfunded. Everyone knows that, um, especially when you compare it. If we're looking at participation numbers and money compared to other sports and everything else, however, I feel like there is still so much more that we could be doing um, with the money that we have, and a lot of the problems could be solved um, without extra funding. But on that point, how important do you think getting extra funding is? How much of a difference do you, do you think it would make? What sort of things do you think um, that it would help? Uh, you know, you saying that then um, makes you think. Well, yeah, actually, if we had extra funding, that means that then you could come in for an extra, you know, longer, longer training camp period, set up more games, pay for more court hire, all that kind of stuff, which would make a substantial difference to what well, I assume would make a difference to national team performance. Um, but where do you think the sort of the whole funding situation fits into this whole equation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, the funding or lack thereof is. is Unfortunately, the main talk around every time we talk about British basketball nowadays, you, you do hear the, the comment of, well, we don't have any funding. Um, but at the end of the day, from my point of view, 
we know we haven't got any funding and and for the foreseeable future from my point of view that's not going to change and, and we know it's not going to change basically as much as we we plea and this that and the other G uk sport have set their their boundaries out quite clearly um i mean and i and i i don't agree with them at all um but this this it's not something i can affect at the end of the day so i do think there is a, a necessity and there has been a lot of time wasted not looking for external funding commercial funding however you want to call it um i mean as i mentioned before i mean we we had the opportunity to travel around europe a lot this summer um go to a lot of different countries see their setups and i mean even for friendly games um you know there was publicity everywhere you know there was the slovenian shirt i've never seen a shirt with so many sponsors on it <laughs> ever uh but at the end of the day that's what they've got to do to make sure their program runs as effectively as it's running, you know they they they, they make world championships, they make Eurobasket consistently, you know, and that's something we've got our aim to do. And, that, and if that means that we play with a shirt that looks like it's being stuck together by our grandmother because it's got so many sponsors on it, then so be it. I mean, I mean, the, um, the fact that we didn't have a commercial sponsor this year, I think, is is worrying. Basically, I think I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure who's in charge of that, um, but I think it's something that we should that we should definitely look into and definitely get for for next summer and summer's moving forward basically because um, I mean at the end of the day we are in we are in a, one of the most powerful countries in the world there is a lot of money uh, moving around the UK um, and I'm, I'm sure there must be if you look in the right places there must be places to find um, sponsorship or support or whatever you want to call it but at the end of the day one of the th everyone's moaning about not getting funded from UK sport yeah, we're not getting it, but we know we're not going to get it. So let's look at other ways of getting it. It's not just moan. Let's look for a solution, really. That's, that's the point I want to make. There are, there are solutions out there. We just have to find them. <laughs> Something I wanted to go back to. Um, you mentioned purpose-built facilities and stuff. And I would like to uh, talk about this morning. And I, I'm messaging you to arrange this meet-up. And uh, you said that you're heading to UEL to work out. And I said, oh, are, you, are you shooting or are you lifting? And... Uh, and you said, oh, you know, I'm doing lifting. I, I can't shoot. It's, it's too expensive. Like, the, the hourly rate they charge you. And I'm here like, this is a fucking... Oh, excuse my language. This is, this is a GB senior international. Um, you know, Olympian. He's back home for the summer before he goes off for his next job. And he hasn't got somewhere to work out. Like, you know, I know that you obviously... You've been working out at Barking Abbey. Um, but if that wasn't there... What what options do you have? Like what, like, and the same for everyone. All the other guys that come back. Like it seems to be a, a recurring problem every summer. Like where are you meant to work out? Like, I mean, how frustrating must that be? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it is extremely frustrating. Um, obviously, I could pay to hire a court, but I just don't think it. That's the way it should be, basically. Which is <laughs> the point I wanted to get across to you. Um, the, it's the principle. It's the principle of the fact that. You know, um, yeah. I mean, this it, it just it does show the culture of our our sport of basketball in this country. Um, is it respected enough? No. Um, should there be a, a facility provided for GB players when they come back in the summer? Definitely. I mean, I know they have great facilities, you know, at Manchester and at Leicester now. You know, brand new facilities. That, but for people who are based in London. Um, is it really that convenient to travel up to Leicester two hours every day to get a workout in? Probably not. There sh I think there should be various points around the country, um, call them what you want to call them, but National Basketball Centres, as it's called in Manchester. Um, there should be various of those around the country. Um, and I think some of the money that we got from the, the Olympics could have been spent on stuff like that, personally. Um, and I think that's one of the areas we, we missed out on with, with stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. Do we find ways to get around it? In the, end, in the end of the day, we do. But it's just, it is it is an annoying reoccurrence that we would like to see improve, basically. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously lucky enough to be able to go down to Barking Abbey quite frequently and, and, and get my workouts in and stuff like that. But um, some people aren't as fortunate, I, I don't think. Um, so I think that's something definitely we could definitely look to improve for in the future, basically. Sometimes I think... Uh Do you think it's complete pie in the sky to, to think that one day maybe all the GB guys could get together, put in a little bit of cash each, do a, do a little tour of the city, try and get some investors to match that funding, speak to some public bodies as well, 
and actually get our own uh, sort of purpose-built national basketball facility in central London. Well, I mean, you, you say about a purpose-built facility in London, but I mean, like, why can't we? Why can't we call the Copper Box the official home of GB basketball? You know, why can't you know? There's, there are definitely facilities available. It's just, you know, it's just making those contacts or making those arrangements to be able to to do things. Obviously, you know, I mean, everyone well, not everyone knows London, but London's a huge city. It's got lots of courts. It's got lots of courts, lots of you know, lots of spaces. Um, it's just getting that availability and arranging those, you know, those times or whatever you want to call them to, for players to be able to go there and work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously we're lucky enough to be playing at the Copper Box, which, you know, we, we, we're extremely lucky to be able to play there. It's a great venue for us. I think it's a perfect size. Um, a lot of people talk about moving to the O2 and stuff like that, but I remember even before the Olympics when, you know, we, uh, we had the funding, uh, the big word. Um, you know, we went to the O2 and well, was, there was more Polish and Turkish people there than there were. We were British, so I mean, I think the Copper Box is perfect for us. Could it be? Our, I hope it does become our, our permanent home eventually, and I hope that can be arranged. And I think that's one of the things that we should be looking to do. You know, we, we need every. I think everything in life needs a home, and that could be ours. I think that's a pretty good uh, place to to wrap it up. We've been going um, almost an hour, so uh, yeah, it was a good a good talk about uh, this, this campaign and, and GB as a whole. Um, I'd love to get you back on here at some point in the future, maybe some point during the season to do a kind of part two where we do more of a career retrospective, talk about growing up and how the move to Spain first came about and all that kind of stuff. Um, but for now, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for taking the time, joining me in uh, the Olympic Park outside uh, under the under the clouds. It's much appreciated um, and it was a, a really good conversation. Yeah, much appreciated as well. Obviously, you do a great great deal of work for, G for basketball in this country. So, yeah, any, got all the time in the world for people like you. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more.